Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, Many of you can identify with what you would consider to be a safe place. And you may feel that there's not a lot of safe places in your world uh, right now. But for me, one of the safest places is my grandmother's house. This is the only place in, in my family, um, everyone else has, you know, sold their homes and, and moved on to different places or maybe even moved across town, but this is the only place that still exists from my childhood, and it's so important to me. Lived away for um, about 13 years in Kentucky, and to be able to come back, and even when I was there, to be able to come back to my grandmother's house, it was just always the, the familiar smells, the photo albums, the furniture, the pictures on the wall, of course, the conversation. There were a lot of times that I would go there to celebrate. You know, it was birthdays, holidays, all of those kinds. In fact, just July the 4th, this past Monday, we went there for a little while and just talked, and it was wonderful. My grandfather's passed away. My grandmother is uh, still living. If I tell her age, she will kill me, so I'm not going to do that. But it's just wonderful to still have that environment. But I can also tell you that there were many times that I came there hungover. She didn't know that, but I was just in a really bad headspace. There were times when my anxiety or my depression were very high or times that I'd been through a breakup, just the hard things that you go through in life. And it was one of those places that always felt very, very safe. When discussing the post-COVID church, and this is where we're at right now, I use post-COVID meaning that we're not in the place that we were. The post-COVID church, pastor and author Tim Keller talked about the importance of the church being a safe place. We want the church to be this beacon of hope, this light. A lot of people in society today do not see the church in that, in that same way, but as people are trying to come out of isolation, as some people are trying, they got used to the isolation, and now because of levels of anxiety or different changes uh, within their mind and within their body, they would prefer to stay home. We want people with all of the problems that are going on around us to be able to see the church as a very safe place, a place of hope, and a place of great expectation. Now, unfortunately, most people in society do not see the church this way. They see the church as a very scary place. They see the church as a judgmental place. They see the church as a place full of hypocrites. They see the church as a place that is very stuffy. So whenever they think about safety, or whenever they think about a place that they can come to feel better, to be within this Christ-centered community, that's not what they think about. Safety is not one of the first words that is going to come to a lot of people's minds. Now, if this is true, and it certainly is in so many cases, Believer's Church, I believe, is doing a very, very good job of recognizing this. 
and paying attention to this in the lives of people. So if you're in here today, and this is your first Sunday here, uh, maybe you've been here just a few times, maybe you've been here for a long time, but you just had a really, really bad week, or some things have been going on that you just feel like you can't talk to anybody about, I need you to understand this, please hear this. You are loved in this room. I'm not just talking about the love of God. Some of you know you're loved by God. Some of you struggle with the idea that God could love you. I'm talking about the people that are here right now. You are loved. You are safe. And there are a number of different places that you could be coming from uh, psychologically, what you might be going through. We're here patiently to help you work through those things. This is a safe place. As we continue in our series, Unstoppable Church, we've been going through the book of Acts. I can't even remember what part we're in. I think we're in part 11, maybe part 12, but we've been doing this, and we're going to go probably about 20 weeks. It's probably about how long, and then we'll pick it up next year at some point, because we're not going to be able to get all the way through the book of Acts. But we're going through this series, Unstoppable Church, and what I feel like we see today, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 5, is a great representation of what this is supposed to look like. And this safe place that we're going to talk about is a place that is often referred to as Solomon's Porch. So Acts chapter 5, we've been through some of it, we're going to look at verses 12 through 16, just a little bit of scripture today. The last two weeks, two weeks ago, we talked about unity. And what Christ-centered unity is really supposed to look like. Last week, we talked about division and the reality of division in the church and what that looks like. So Acts chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. We're we're going almost verse by verse through Acts. Acts chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. This is what the scripture says. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. They would come together regularly at Solomon's porch. No one from outside of the church dared to join them, even though the people spoke highly of them. Indeed, more and more believers in the Lord, large numbers of both men and women were added to the church. We've seen this almost every week. People added to the church. As a result, they would even bring the sick out in the main streets and lay them on cots and mats so that at least Peter's shadow could fall on some of them as he passed by. Even large numbers of persons from towns around Jerusalem would gather, bringing the sick and those harassed by unclean spirits. Everyone, the scripture tells us, everyone was healed. So the early followers are primarily meeting on Solomon's porch because they've outgrown every area. The circumstances would be that we, that we just grew so fast that even if we tried to have two, three, four services, we could no longer even meet here because there were so many people being moved by the Spirit. There were so many people that were coming to know Jesus. And there's something critical that is going on for this infant church, it's still really early, at Solomon's porch. And I think that this transition 
is something that the church needs today for full renewal. There are a lot of churches that are meeting right now or will meet in about an hour around our town and a lot of other places, and they're just going through the motions whenever they get together. But what is it that's happening on Solomon's porch? What is it that we can recognize in this passage today, the believer's church, as we talk about movement, as we talk about multiplication, as we talk about sending people out, and as we go forward the next few weeks, this conversation of sending out is going to become more and more challenging for you guys. It's going to require some of you to think in a different way. So what does this passage tell us? First, the church is spreading, the reputation is improving, and it's really important, and the visibility is growing. All right, so the church is spreading. Numerically, it's growing. The reputation is improving from this sect that is just kind of an outgrowth or outbirth of Judaism with Jesus as the Messiah. It's really starting to gain a greater reputation and the visibility just by the nature of the size and just by the radical nature of the way that people are living, people are starting to see more and more. So why can we say this? Why can we say that these things are true? They are growing. They are building influence among outsiders. Are we building any influence among outsiders right now? I'm a cynic by nature, but I'm just going to say no. We're really not. We're the judgmental people. We're the people that used to have a lot of say-so in America, uh, used to be an entity that was growing, used to be something that was at least considered a little bit positive, but today, not so much. Today is a very, very different time. And also, probably most importantly, they are exercising their spiritual gifts. People are actually doing what they were called to do. You may have this great job as a, as a dentist or as a teacher or whatever it is that you might do, but there is a calling on your life. There is gifting in your life that is greater. And this is where your identity is actually found. And the reason this is happening, this visibility, this growth, this spreading, all of these things, it goes back to where we started, guys, several weeks ago. In Acts chapter 1, before Jesus leaves the earth, he's with the apostles. He's with the disciples for 40 days. And one of the things that we talked about before Jesus ascends is bringing kingdom values here. So the reason that they are spreading, the reason that they're growing, the reason that all of this looks so positive, is that people are actually seeing Jesus in their lives. Love for neighbor. They're practicing it. Proclamation of truth through the Holy Spirit power. They are practicing it. Living this communal lifestyle where they're taking care of one another and meeting the needs of the less fortunate. They're living it. And the church is not living those things today. You see, we have no one to blame. You want to blame culture. You want to blame CNN. You want to blame all these. We have no one to blame but ourselves. You may not like that, but we are not living bold lives for the cause of Christ. So this is what the passage tells us. No one outside of the church would join them. Trust, listen, trust takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. No one outside of the church would join them, even though the people spoke highly of them. That's a step in the right direction. Even though there are a lot of people that say, I am never going to Believer's Church. 
I do hear some good things are going on there. I do hear that there is some progress, there's some movement. Did you know so-and-so, so-and-so is doing so well with their life right now. Maybe you need to consider going down there and seeing what that's all about. No one outside of the church would join them, even though some people spoke highly of them. Indeed, more and more believers in the Lord, large numbers of men and women were added to the church. And today, we are witnessing the exact opposite. Now, it may be true that the church is increasing in areas of the global south and just spreading all over some of the poorer and also hotter areas of the world. But we are seeing this great decline in an area where Christianity used to have such strong roots in North America, in Europe in the 90s. And then we just started to follow that trend. We see the visibility is declining. We see the reputation is suffering. Ask yourself why. You tell yourself, oh, it's just the enemy. Oh, it's the, the influence of culture. It's all of these bad things that are going on in the world. Why are we losing visibility? Why are we declining? Why are we not growing? For starters, and this is based on a lot of research in different places, the church stays superficial and doesn't confront the real issues that are going on in the world. You can go to a lot of churches and hear the exact same sermon every single Sunday, and pastors and church leaders and the church overall are not talking about the pain and the suffering and the difficulty that are going on in our own neighborhoods and in our own country right now. And until we have the boldness to confront those things, people are not going to see the light. How about this? For some of you that are maybe not in church as much, an invitation to church or a deeper religious experience, it feels like a sales pitch. Do you ever feel like somebody's just, and I know this doesn't apply to a lot of you because you've been in church so long, you have, you have no understanding, it's completely outside of you. But you know, if you're trying to buy someone before you're trying to love someone, did you know they recognize that? Did you know that people aren't stupid? Well, well why don't you come to my church? You should come out. We've got a lot of great things going on. Well, well, can we at least hang out first? You know, can you get to know me? Do you care about what's going on in my life? It's like this sales pitch. When people detect it, they're like, why do I want anything to do with that? You know, why do I want part in anything that looks like that? And I think this next one is huge. Churches are not impacting their local communities. They're not. You know, part of our vision is to be a neighborhood church. It's the, it's, it's the reason that we feed uh, people at Green Tech, this, this factory right up here every single Monday. It's the reason that we do these events in the community right around us on a regular basis. Because there is addiction. There are struggling single mothers. There are marriages that are in horrible situations. There's poverty. There are all these issues that we are supposed to care about. And I'm going to just say this. There are some of you that are really active in our church. You're really part of this. And you've never been to an outreach event that we've had. You, and and I'm, I'm convinced of this. I don't care if you have been a Christian for 75 years. Until you start working with the vulnerable, until you start working with the poor, 
until you start working with people that don't look like you, there is a spiritual part of your brain that has never even started functioning. It's like you're using different muscles. It's like if you lift all the time, but then all of a sudden you start swimming and you tell yourself, I'm in really good shape. Why am I hurting? It's this new spiritual level that starts to grow within you. And the humility is an amazing thing. We're not present in our local communities. But then also, churches feel more like businesses than houses of worship. It's just a fact. They feel more like businesses ran by a CEO than a spiritual community that is led by the Holy Spirit. So how does this look compared to Solomon's porch? Again, they are growing. They are building influence among those outside of the faith. And they are exercising spiritual gifts. Do you know what it means? Do you know that every person in this room has gifting? And that some of you will go your entire lives without accessing what God wants you to do. And that is going to be the most important part of your life. It's going to make you a stronger parent. It's going to make you a better employer wherever you are. It's going to make you a better friend. When you tap into those Holy Spirit resources that access things that you cannot access yourself. So another difference today compared to the early church, people would, would go to Peter, they would go to John, they would go to Andrew, they would go to Philip, they would go to these people seeking advice, seeking wisdom. People act like they're scared to death of me. Like I'm just going to condemn them and judge, and I don't even do like the, the suit and tie thing. And I don't even do like the, the, you know, I have to talk a certain way. It's interesting. Sometimes I'm talking to people and they're saying whatever they, blankety blank, this and that. And the second that they find out I'm a pastor, they become real holy. You know, listen, if you need to cuss around me, cuss around me. I'm just going to go ahead and kind of give you that permission to be yourself so that we can get somewhere with who you are. You don't need to tell me you're a member at such and such church when you've not been there nine months. Thanks, Wes. You can be real. But these days, they want nothing to do with people like me. But you want to know what it was like then? They wanted to step in Peter's shadow with the possibility of healing. They believed in the holiness of God. And the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that people outside of the faith said, if you can walk by because he's pretty busy healing, maybe if you step in his shadow, something will happen. You think our government or big business or any Hollywood, any of these other entities, entities in the United States, look at the church in that way? No, we're like a relic. We're like an artifact that is eventually going to be gone to most people as they see us. And it's because we do not have this experience of Solomon's porch. Now, this is the good news for the church in Acts. And I think it's hope for us today. And I hope it fires you up. The church is making the transition in this early period from distrusted religious movement like, I don't know about these guys. This stuff is weird. I'm a good Jew. I'm definitely gonna, not going to step into that lifestyle. They are making this transition from distrusted religious movement to place of hope and safety. 
Please understand this again. I don't care who you are, what you've done, or how messy it is. You are safe here. And as far as I'm concerned, you're more safe than some of the self-righteous people that come here. You are safe in this place to figure it out. Verse 16, even large numbers of persons from towns around Jerusalem, outside of the influence of the early church, would gather, bringing the sick and those harassed by unclean spirits. Everyone was healed. Everyone. So let's get blown away for just a second. During the pandemic, about four in 10 adults in the United States have reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder. A share that has largely been consistent from 1 to 10 in 2019. Alcohol and substance abuse have been increasing consistently since 2019. 2002, this was recently in the New York Times, produced the highest number of overdose deaths in the history of our nation. Depression, self-harm, and suicide are continuing to rise among adolescents. Two weeks ago, I met after church with a few of the people that are in this room right now and some people that are not on this room, that are on vacation, that are on other place, in other places. And I said, guys, I don't know what we're going to do, but the Holy Spirit is drawing me more and more that we need to be a place for two specific areas. Mental health issues that a lot of people are hiding behind and addiction. And I talked a little, bit about, a little bit about Celebrate Recovery and some ideas that had just crossed my mind, some experiences that I've, that I've had as an alcoholic that's been sober for almost 10 years, as someone that does struggle greatly with anxiety and depression. And I've said, what we need to start doing is dreaming. What we need to start doing is paying attention. What we need to start doing is just asking the Holy Spirit. You see, I don't feel the need at this stage of my life. Five years ago as a pastor, I was different. I would have been just, just you know, charging hell with a water pistol. Let's go do this. Let's conquer the world. But today, it's, God, what are you up to? I need a season of listening. I need to know what we're supposed to do. I need the right people to mobilize together, to show Jesus and to shine the light into the darkness of things that are killing our kids. Of things that are starting to destroy generations. And that this is something, if we're going to talk about this as a safe place, that this is something that we must pay attention to. Now I want you to imagine something with me, okay? Imagine this with me. Go back to verse 16. Even large numbers of persons from towns around Jerusalem would gather, bringing the sick and those harassed by unclean spirits, everyone was healed. Now, let's place this in the context of our conversation. Even large numbers of persons from towns around Believer's Church would gather, bringing the addicts, the drunks, 
those harassed and struggling with mental illness or mental health issues, everyone was healed. Imagine if that's the place that we could step into. You see, this tests our faith as far as what we really believe and how much we really believe it. Now, you can develop some really good programs, all right, which, which we will do. And you can develop some necessary training, which we will do. But we need a movement of the Holy Spirit to take hold of this place and the chains that some of you in this very room and that some of you are watching online right now are going through and those chains will be broken. It will be, I promise you, those individuals that push and move this church forward, not me. So where do we start? And what do we do? This is what I'm praying about right now. So this is what people started to say about Peter's ministry in his life. Maybe he's all right. I'm not sure that I can believe that stuff. I'm not sure how real that is to me. But your uncle's struggling? Take him down to Solomon's porch. I've heard some things are going on there. Why don't you come with? No, I'm not going down there, but why don't you take him down? Something is happening down there. Take him down to Solomon's porch. I hear people are struggling left and right down there. Do you know Titus's mother? She couldn't see for seven years, and now she has full sight. Take her down to Solomon's porch. There's help there. People are getting well. And they're not just getting better. They're becoming whole. They're finding this new identity. And then whenever this man or this woman makes this decision and these chains are broken, their children are, their children are changed. They're breaking generational curses based on their upbringing and how they were treated. Take them down there. Now, if Peter were here today, this fisherman turned church planter, this would be his thoughts. Bring that addict here. Don't push him away. Don't tell them they're not welcome at the church. Do not tell them they need to clean up and then come to the church. Bring that addict here. We want to love him. We want to show him there's another way. She feels like she can't go back to her old church because of her, because of her divorce. Everyone's talking about her. Tell her we have a place for her. Tell her this is somewhere she can. Tell her that we will help her. We will walk through this situation with her as she heals. That's what we're going to do. Give her a ride. We'll take her in. She's safe here. That 13-year-old girl is cutting herself? What? That 13-year-old girl is doing that? She never leaves her room? She doesn't feel good enough? 
She is fearfully and wonderfully made. Bring her here. Bring her to Believer's Church. We're going to give her a place. We're going to work with her. And the shame and the guilt and all of this garbage that social media has pushed in, Jesus is going to wash out. Because she is fearfully and wonderfully made. You know what people think whenever we talk about a safe church, and this is a particular kind of Christian? They're just ready to tolerate sin over there. You heard about that? It's safe. Go to that safe place where they'll tell you what you want. I am a sinner that is broken and only whole by the grace of God. You come here, you're going to be helping me as much as I can help you. Because iron sharpens iron. There is a time and place to talk about sin and the reality of sin and how to repent and step away from sin. And there is a time when people need an embrace and you tell them things are going to be okay. God will work out all of the details of their lives. We don't have to be the, their judges. This is what John 4.14 says. And if you fall into this category, I want you to understand this because there was a very, very broken woman at a well and she needed a safe place. Whoever drinks from the water that I will give you will never thirst again. Your self-esteem is shot. You feel like you can't go forward. You've been broken because everything that your family tells you that you are, or I hate to say it, but everything that the church has told you, you are. Church trauma is a real thing. And a lot of people have suffered from it. But you take a drink of this water. You actually taste what Jesus has. You will never thirst again. The water that I give you will become into those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. What does the Holy Spirit's anointing do for desperate people? What does it do for people who have been damaged and people who have been hurt? What makes this possible? Verse 15. They would even bring the sick onto the main streets and lay them on their cots and mats so that at least Peter's shadow could fall on some of them as he passed by. What makes this possible? How is it that this works? If you're old enough, you'll recognize these lyrics. Sin and despair, like the sea waves cold, threaten the soul with infinite loss. Infinite loss. I'm done. There is nothing else for me. I tried church. It didn't work. Grace that is greater. Yes, grace untold points to the refuge, the safe place the mighty cross. Jesus 
loves you. Jesus cares about you beyond anything else that you can possibly imagine. The comfort or the safety that you may feel at a certain home with a certain parent, with a grandparent, with a former guidance counselor, with a boss, with a mentor, whoever that might be, does not compare to the love that Jesus has for you. I plead with you. Please don't miss that. With all heads bowed this morning and all eyes closed. The first group that I want to reference uh, this morning are those of you that are maybe just in a broken, struggling place. And you don't know what to do. And you know that you need the safety of the church. You know that you're in a dark place right now inside. And you just need prayer. No one in this building is looking around. And if you're honest enough to admit this morning that you need that prayer because you are just absolutely shattered inside. It's your individual life. It's your marriage. It's a, it's a friendship. It, it's something that has to do with your mental health. It's some form of struggle. Would you just lift your hand so that we can pray for you? No one is looking around. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else this morning? Thank you guys very much. Anyone else this morning? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Thank you. Hands everywhere. Now, there are others of you in here this morning and when we talk about this love, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you feel like you have some foundation as far as the Bible, but you have never surrendered yourself to the love of Jesus. You have never repented of your sins. You've never stepped away from the person that you are really stepped away from the person that you are. Repentance means to turn around. It means to change your mind and give everything to Jesus. Jesus loves you. The cross is for you. Forgiveness of your sins is available today. That heart is racing a little bit. You feel that something good is going on here, but you're just not quite part of it. You're just a little bit on the outside. Today is the day of salvation. And I'm going to pray a very, very simple prayer. And the words of this prayer are not important or not as important as the faith that you practice in your heart and the desire that you have to give everything to God. If you've never accepted Christ before and you want to do that today, you can simply to yourself repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin keeps me apart from you. I'm asking that you forgive me of my sin. I trust in your resurrection to complete me. And from this day forward, it is my desire to follow you. 
Now, again, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning to accept Jesus, would you just lift your hand so that we can acknowledge that that decision has been made? Anyone in here this morning that prayed that prayer to accept Christ for the first time? Father, we come to you today thanking you so much for the love that you continue to pour out for us. Father, I pray that we are able to open up this space to love sinners. Father, the same way that you would if you were here today. God, help us to see Peter and Andrew and John and the example that we see here, Father, creating this contagious environment like we see at Solomon's porch. God, I pray as we bring our brokenness to the altar, Father, as we uh, partake in Holy Communion, that God, through the sacraments that you minister to our hearts and into our lives. And Father, if there is something that we have to turn over you to you today, that we do that. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.